Heads up, friends. The unofficial Shopify podcast is made by indie entrepreneurs for indie entrepreneurs and may contain material not suitable for all audiences, like swearing or economics. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, you frustrated by your current theme? Does it have an inflexible design? You feel like you're, you're butting up against the limitations of that theme? Does it feel slow? Turbo theme out of the sandbox is the solution to these woes. Turbo is a premium, fully loaded, online store 2.0 Shopify theme with a focus on visual storytelling. You don't want to lose potential customers to a poor user experience. That's the worst nightmare. We don't want that. Turbo theme will supercharge your online store with speed, flexibility, and advanced features. Turbo promises fast load times, flexible design, shoppable images, age gate functionality, and regular recurring premium updates. If you upgrade to Turbo Theme, you can watch your store's performance skyrocket. And Out of the Sandbox is trusted by high volume Shopify merchants and renowned for their excellent customer service. Out of the Sandbox stands behind their product with a 14 day satisfaction guarantee. So if you're not in love with Turbo, they're going to refund it. The choice is clear. Upgrade your store with Out of the Sandbox and Turbo today. Don't miss out on that opportunity to elevate your Shopify store's performance. Invest in Turbo. Don't let slow site speed hold your business back any longer. Go to outofthesandbox.com to see the demo, learn more, and license Turbo Theme for your store today. That's outofthesandbox.com. I don't have a I don't have a decent cold open. I just I make content and I jam on my tools with Shopify and that's <laughs> jam on your tools. Jam on my tools. Wash rinse repeat. My daughter says a new word incorrectly every day. It's the best. It's just the best. Give me one. I thought she goes, well, like those things that we draw on the whiteboard with, that's a markter. <coughs> markter. Markter. And on Sunday when I was watching her, we had a we had a new one which was Qmunner. Which is a cucumber? That's cumuner. That sounds like a delicious seasoning. Yeah, cumuner. And she has mini slippers that she calls that she wears all all day long. And she says mini shoes. And it that is the exact intonation because she has her own special intonation on words. Mini shoes. My wife and I just we just say things. We just say words she says to each other all the time. Uh, you're gonna be at that for a while. <laughs> Just the hilarious, crazy stuff kids say. Well, and when she's done with things, she goes, I'll D, I'll D. When, <laughs> when she doesn't want any more, she's done. And now, like, she'll be in bed. And it'll be, like, 10 o'clock at night. And we'll just be like, yeah, I'm all D. Are you all D? Yeah, I'm all D, too. I'll like, D. We're, we'll have adult conversations. And then put just say all D in the middle of that conversation. Uh, about two years ago, my six-year-old invented her own contraction and still uses it. And we're like, you know what? It's fine. No, I am not Am not. Yeah, am sure. Not. No, I am it. I'm like, all right, it's consistent with English. Yeah, you can't argue with that. It's not your fault that grammar is a tool of oppressive devils with arbitrary rules. Well, you need to understand, dictionaries are descriptive. They're not proscriptive, which means that the dictionary is meant to document the way people are using language in the real world. Dictionary is not, here is the right words you're supposed to use. Language evolves, <laughs> and so, so does the dictionary. Yes. And so I'm just... You're saying, how long do I got to wait until No I Amant appears in there? It's coming. All right. Along with Qmunder. Like, I, I know in business conversations, you and I have both used the word cromulent 
many times and people have understood what we're saying. And you're like, that's a 25 year old Simpsons joke word. That's a word that was used in the Simpsons 25 years ago as a joke. And now it's just an established part of the English language with a recognized definition. Yeah. It did end up in the dictionary. officially. <laughs> Cromulent. Cromulent's a good one. A crazy amount of ones that are like, oh yeah, that was from like a, this word that we just use all the time. That's from like a comic strip in the 1920s. Like there's just a, so many of those. So Black Friday's around the corner. Uh, okay. You got two months, 65 days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Assuming you're listening to this at the correct date. <laughs> and if you're listening, otherwise you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Just assume it's 65 days before Black Friday when you're listening to this, and then we're good. Also, no matter what, just panic that you haven't gotten started yet. So we're going to do, if we're both here, it's because we're probably going to do an AMA and ask me anything, and we've got questions from our Facebook group, Unofficial Shopify Podcast Insiders, and... Uh, Real merchants with real questions. That's what we're we're going to go over on this fine day. Shall we begin? Uh, on the topic of Shopify's one-page checkout, which still rolling out. I've not seen this. I've seen this, I think, in one client store. Oh, I've this. seen it. I saw it yesterday. I don't know whose store I was on, but I, I, but I, I saw it on it. Spycraft? I don't know if I was on Spycraft. You saw it, though? I saw it yesterday. Couldn't tell you where, though. It's the same. It looks the same, except it instead of a continue. It looks the same. It's just one big, long page. It just goes longer. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So John's question is, will the one-page checkout mean fewer abandoned carts? I don't have any data on that. Hey, according to the people selling it to us, yes. Yes. <laughs> right? But, was it that part of Shopify Editions? Was they like, hey, a, a consulting firm says, yes, this is good? Yeah, but... Something I'm, to that effect? In terms of just like, it makes sense to me that it yeah, I think it, it tracks. If you were to ask me if it would, I would be like, yeah, I bet it would. I'm def- I'm betting heavy on that it does because, you know, it's just less less actions, less user action. You want to reduce as many this, reduce user as many user actions as possible. Yeah, it's a uh, conversion rate truism. Reduce steps, reduces friction, you'll get more conversions. I think it makes sense. I think it makes complete sense. And I, I mean, I feel like Shopify would not do it. Because Shopify makes money anytime anyone buys something. So right. if the one-page checkout re- means more abandoned carts, Shopify has just cost themselves hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, I don't think at some point they're going to be like, you know what, let's just shoot ourselves in the foot. Yeah, I'm guessing they tested it before they rolled it out. Yeah, and it's not not a difficult thing to test for them. Uh, Follow-up to that, and I see this a lot, is how does one-page checkout affect capturing information, meaning... You're never hitting. You're never hitting submit on a button until the final submit, where they charge your credit card and the things get shipped and it's over. So, so can I send abandoned checkout emails? Yeah, I want that email. Yeah. What if they fill out the email and then never hit submit? Do you still get the email? And so the absolute first time I found a one-page checkout when it was still in beta, and very few folks had seen it, the first thing I did, type in my email and then hit close on that tab. And sure enough, I got the abandoned checkout email. And I've seen this confirmed. You don't have to take an action. If you type in the email and then le- click out of that field, it is now stored. Yeah, it's, it sends the email along to Shopify as long as the there's an email in there when the field is exited. It's pretty good. So no fears there. It seems like this it's kind of a no-brainer. If it's available to you, try it. See what it does. It's funny. It's one of those things people always wanted. Like, when they get one-page checkout? When they get one-page checkout? Then as it becomes available, they're like, wait a second. 
Is this any good? Is this gonna mess up my mana cards? That's how it always goes. I want it, I want it. Wait a minute. Now it's here. Uh, I grouped our... I grouped these questions together a little bit. And so there are some... Some Google ecosystem questions. I'm just gonna go get a sandwich. Because <laughs> I don't know the answer to any of these and will not be paying attention to your answer. Well, you're going to be our audience surrogate. <laughs> so just as they aren't paying attention, they're just letting the words wash over them. Go ahead and read this question to me. Oh, damn it. Uh, can you break down how Google's different tools work with a Shopify store? GA, GTM, Google Search Console, and Google Tag Manager. Isn't Google GTM and Google Tag Manager the same thing? Oh, those were my notes. And oh. yes, I totally wrote Google Tag Manager <laughs> twice. What's the first Google tool a new Shopify store owner should set up? Google Analytics. You can log that data, I assume. All right. Well, let, first, let's break down all of the Google tools, Kurt. You clearly know what you're talking about here. <laughs> you know, I've, it's not because I wanted to know how to use these tools. I've been forced to do it. All right. The basic one, Google Analytics, does what the name tells you. It's collecting analytics, but it also becomes a requirement for a lot of other tools and other things will plug into it. And you probably want that historic data. So if I'm picking, like, the first thing you should do, you want to install Google Analytics. Unfortunately, installing it in Shopify now, fairly straightforward. There is uh, the Google Sales channel. You add the Google Sales channel. It's official. That will ask you to connect to your Google Analytics account. And then it will install itself. It will add that, the tracking, the data layer. You don't have to add any script to worry about it. It is just done. It will then ask you to take step two, set up Google Merchant Center, Google Merchant Center is the thing that lets you do Google Shopping. It pushes your product feed into Google. So you got, and then like some associated info like shipping settings. So we got that. Those are really the two most people are going to run. There's also Google Search Console. Uh, I almost never go into Google Search Console. I would recommend you set it up once just to verify, hey, my website is indeed indexed in Google. Like Google Search Console is the thing that lets you submit your sitemap file to Google, and it'll help you get your site indexed faster as you add new products. Like So those are the three I would use. The other ones I see commonly is Google Tag Manager, which uh, if you're like, what is it? Do Isn't I even that need like it? The, that's like the rich data stuff, right? Yeah, Google Tag Manager, it works with Google Analytics. You could do fancier stuff like add custom events. But what's neat about it is you could just take other people's random snippets and pixels and then have Google load that as well. So it's like one single snippet does everything. And that overlaps with Shopify now is doing a similar thing. They call it customer events. But the idea is like you've an e-commerce website has so much tracking stuff stuck into it now. Right? It's like Bing, Google, TikTok, Pinterest. Like every single site is like, hey, we got this pixel. You got to copy paste that in here. Well, pretty soon you got a ton of the things, and they're all loaded separately. So um, Google Tag Manager lets you just put all that in one place and have it load through one single snippet. So you don't – that's the only one that's like, eh, you may or may not want to mess with Google Tag Manager. But the other three, probably. Uh, there's also Google Data Studio, which uh, you probably don't want to mess with it. Like I, <laughs> I love the idea of a business intelligence dashboard. I'm super technical. I struggled. I never got it to work right. <laughs> Maybe I'm not smart enough. But the chances of like getting Google Data Studio to work like you want consistently, 
uh, did just hire somebody to do it if you really want this. So we're saying it's analytics, sales channel, maybe search console. And then once you're beyond that, you got to hire a guy. You should be hiring a guy whose job is to do that. If you want to mess with GTM uh, and its data layer, there's apps that'll do it or like hire somebody to do it for you. For sure, Google Data Studio, don't even don't even touch it. It'll make yourself crazy. <laughs> like, if you have to go, is this right for me? It's probably not. Because I thought I could do it. I didn't even get close. Uh, but no, GA, like really, GA is the one you want. And Google Search Console, you know, let you sleep easier at night. Just set, up a, set it up once. But no, it just install Google Sales Channel in your Shopify store. And just follow the instructions. You're good to go. Also, one more question. How can I make shipping charges sync better with Google Merchant Center? Uh, so I... I thought I knew the answer to this, and I looked it up to make sure. Google Sales Channel does this now for you. It'll automatically sync those shipping settings into uh, Google Merchant Center. Easy. Just Google Sales Channel is the answer. I'm enthralled. Yeah. Oh, my Just, gosh. This is the stuff that I live for. <laughs> you know, anything that makes setting this stuff up less painful <laughs> is exciting. All right. got a question here from Kurt... This was me. This Elsler? is me asking my own question. Elsler. I don't even know how to pronounce I, yeah, it. Yeah, I believe also, it's, it's spelled, pronounced Chris Elsler. Yeah, he spelled Kurt wrong, too. Oh, jeez. Uh, he wants to know, are SEO agency retainers a scam or worth it? Scam. They're a scam. Whatever Kurt says, he's going to say a lot of stuff. I know he's going to disagree with me. I know people listening to this are going to disagree with me. Just you're talking in the wind, buddy. SEO companies are almost all scams. And SEO, like monthly SEO retainers, are triple scams. And you'll never convince me otherwise. That is my personal opinion. Don't sue me. <laughs> or leave us a one-star review. <laughs> They're snake oil salesmen. Where I have seen value from SEO agencies. I can see, if you told me I hired an SEO agency to do an audit on my site and run through the things I'd been doing wrong and what I need to do differently and fix the shit I did wrong... Good, great, spend that money, I'm on board. I have an SEO agency that's doing SEO for me every month that I pay them money for. Get out. Okay, yes, I agree <laughs> with that distinction. I mean, we're doing a big site migration right now, uh, and it's for an, an existing site. It's got an international sites in there. And for them, they hired an SEO agency to do an audit and just make sure like we've got we've got all our ducks in a row. And there's no issues, and we've, we've captured the full value of past SEO efforts. And after that, like, once they've ensured that, that's the end of it. You know, one and done. We took care of it. And we'll implement the recommendations, and we're good. That I have faith in, and I, I know that agency. I know they know what they're doing. Where I have an issue, because we see this with smaller merchants, they'll sign up. They'll get signed up for some kind of SEO retainer that they think they're supposed to have. It's like, well, yeah, I, well, I got to hire this company and they're going to get me higher ranking on Google. And then if I ever stop paying them, my ranking is going to go down. And like in, the month I stop paying them, my search results are going to plummet. But then what does that company really do? Nothing. They do nothing. They take your money. They maybe make up some bullshit or maybe they're just like, oh yeah, we're down in the SEO mines. You got to keep paying us money. So we keep working in the SEO mines for you every month. And then they cash your check and they don't do shit. It's usually an automated report with like, it, with, it's either like everything's okay 
if that's what you're getting month after month, eh, this report, that's just gonna, an automated report, goes, eh, it's okay, it's fine. What's the value in that? Uh, or, like, if they're going to put in a little more effort, there'll be, like, just random nonsense make work in there. Yeah. About, like, well, you know, that H2 tag needs to be an H3 tag. You're like, what? It's like, I promise you, Google does not give a shit about your H your header tags. They don't. Yeah. Does the page have an H1 tag? We're good here. Yeah. I mean, if they're not, like, if they're not making content for you, they're not building links for you. Yeah. The, the money you pay the SEO company, how about you just, like, pay a writer to write blog posts for you? There you go. Content marketing. Way better. That's SEO. Imagine losing out on 30% of your sales simply because your tracking is inaccurate. Inaccurate or insufficient data tracking can lead to wrong decisions and missed opportunities. It's like sailing a ship without a compass. Ever wondered why your marketing efforts aren't yielding the expected results? The culprit could be your conversion tracking. Without proper tracking, marketing spend can feel like throwing your money into a black hole. But there's light at the end of the tunnel, Elevar. Elevar ensures 100% of your conversions are tracked and delivered to your marketing channels. Trusted by over 6,500 D2C leaders, Elevar is specifically built for Shopify, powering your analytics with complete data sets. Brands like Glossier, Viore, and Magic Spoon all improve their tracking quality and site speed with Elevar. With Elevar, you can instantly deploy server-side tracking, boosting your Klaviyo flow performance by two to three X and your meta performance. Every moment you wait is a potential conversion lost. Don't stay in the dark. Bring your data into the light. Get Elevar today and never miss another conversion. Plans start at $0 a month, plus 15-day free trials on all plans. Get Elevar.com. E-L-E-V-A-R. Elevar. All right, now that we've enraged the SEO community, let's I, move on. Who cares? Like, we care. Also, that if they're enraged by that, then... They need to settle down. Years ago, I had someone go, I, I didn't even know that they were mad about, they emailed me, they were mad about something I'd said. And they're like, you know what I do? SEO. Maybe I'll just take you down a few pegs for fun. <laughs> we got spammed with backlinks to the agency site, to ethercycle.com. Only the anchor text was like, cheap Viagra, cheap ED meds, shipped to your door, no prescription Cialis. And so then I had to go disavow all of that. And you know what? I fixed it all myself. Didn't need to hire an SEO company. <laughs> oh, and the tool I used for that uh, was Google Search Console. There oh, you go. there you go. That's a good use yeah. of Google Search Console. It's like the one time I had to use Google Search Console and it was valuable. We were talking about a guy and we didn't like him. And we thought he was weird and gross. And then nine months later, on Christmas Eve, he did a giant tweet thread about how we were losers. And I was like, you're mad about a podcast from nine months ago about how we were like, that guy she seems shady. And then you're spending Christmas Eve tweeting about it instead of being with your family. I believe it started with, I live rent free in their heads, which is the funniest thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we spent, we literally talked about you for 10 minutes as being like, that guy's an asshole. I think that guy's an asshole. And then that was it. Yeah, we're really rent free in your head, buddy. Uh... Randy Green would like to know, should you focus on blog content or backlinks to build authority? Uh, I don't know anything. I'm going with blog content. I think I think both. I don't think one's necessarily better than the other. I, backlinks just feel so 2004 to me that I just can't conceive that it would like still be useful. It's, it's, it's tough to go, I'm going to build backlinks unless you have content that is worthwhile to link to. Good point. 
You need the content and then just get the links. Yeah. Like Julie has some random article, my wife on her uh, Disney blog, that's like, here's where to meet the princesses at the Magic Kingdom. That's been linked to more than once by newspapers. <laughs> right? That's how you built the backlink by creating this like incredibly Useful narrow, content. deep, specific piece of content. Yeah. So what you're saying is if you build it, they will come. Yeah. You got to build the content and then the backlinks will come. Yeah. I think, you know, and if going back to the SEO retainer, if the statement of work is we're going to create content and we're going to get backlinks, then it is probably worthwhile. I would check that content. <laughs> Make sure it's not just like ChatGPT. Yeah, it's like ChatGPT wrote 100 blog posts. However, money. finally. Yeah, money, please. Uh, all right. Uh, Adrian wants to know, what's the best way to keep my custom theme up to date? Well, you got a custom theme, so there's a problem there. Yeah, it's now one of one, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, is it fully custom, like from the ground up, or is it like built on top of Dawn, or did you take a different, you know, we used Maestro, Maestro themes, there's too many O's, so I assume it's Maestro, Maestro, that like we built on top of, for a long time we built on top of Turbo, and we made modifications to it, um, so if it's fully custom, the answer is go to the guy that made it, or gal, and say, Update this for all the new stuff that Shopify released. And then they're going to charge you a pretty penny for that. If you have a sold theme that has been customized or modified, you can run those theme updater tools. The Out of the Sandbox theme updater tool uh, works. And generally what they do is it runs the update on any – and it, it can pick up on some changes, some things being moved around maybe, styles being added, that sort of thing. But – Eventually, it will give you a list of here are the files I couldn't update because something they're too different from what I expected there. So I'm not touching it. I'm not going to break it. So what they do is they leave it alone. Generally, what they do is they take they do a raw new version of the theme, and then you have your old version that's been modified. And so the way to do it is you hopefully have someone on retainer or someone that you that works for you that sets up your store. Um, and they would just compare. They would say, here's the updated one. Here is the one that you have modified. It's called a diff in code language. You see the difference between those two files, and then you integrate the changes into the modified one. And I mean, depending on how custom the theme is, that could be one hour or it could be 10 hours. Like, it, you know, it could, get, it could get really screwed. Like, you know, it all depends. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to know, especially it's tough to know the, cus the complexity of the customization is as important as the location of it. Yeah. I've noticed. Like, sometimes simple one-line things, if they're in a weird spot, it's not going to know what to do with that. You could have that report that the theme updater generates. It might be listing out 10 different files, and you're like, oh, man. But then when you go look at it, it's all just easy, quick little pop-ins that you just got to pop a couple lines in, and it will all work again. When when you start customizing themes, you're entering into the big boy world where you're, you know, you're paying people on a consistent basis to do things on this theme for you. Yeah. It's not difficult to handle, but you probably can't handle it. And also it depends on how long until the theme's been updated. I mean, if you had someone make a customized theme four years ago for you and you're like, well, I want to keep this theme. I just want to run the theme updater on it. And it's like, yee, buddy, like that's probably not going to work, work out. And I think Shopify has been making changes that make theme updating more realistic more often. Yes, they're yeah, they're slicing. 
I feel like, especially with Dawn and the way a lot of the themes that have been coming out that have been based sort of on the Dawn model, they just keep slicing the salami thinner and thinner. Like, well, now there's 20 different CSS files because like each snippet has its own CSS file it uses, which is very annoying to me. But, and you know, all these things. So everything is just becoming more and more, you know, striated into different little pieces. So when you make theme customizations, instead of being a giant file that has 50 different changes in it, you might have 10 different files, but each of those files only has one line being changed because all the pieces are so separated. You know, it only had only fewer thing, fewer total objects got ended up getting modified instead of one thing that got modified a ton. So keeping a custom theme up to date, uh, plausible. It depends, and there's going to be some some effort there. Well, you know, it depends. I come down to the side of how we've been doing things generally is we do a whole big project where we do whatever customizations are required and then you just leave it alone. Like you don't update it. And then four years rolls or four years later, things have changed. There are new things around that you didn't have before. And we just, you just do a new one. You yeah. Just do rebuild a whole new, it. Start over. It's fourth. It's been four years. Let's refresh it. We just did that with Harney. Yeah. We did that with Harney. We're, we're this is our third theme with Harney, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it keeps, you know, it, we now know, like, this is the layout that works. This is the features. This is the look. Yeah. So it isn't too terrible at this point to go, all right, here is our latest and greatest theme with all the new features that we want. Let's make those upgrades. And the, it's usually we're looking for, like, there are a few new features that we really, really want and would be easiest to just get a theme that already supports them and then make our customizations into it. Yeah. You go the other way where it's like, all right, we're going to backport. Like, I want this one new feature, and I could backport that into my old theme. But it gets messy. That gets real scary, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, like when they added um, product media. And, there, you know, we had a lot of people on old themes that are like, well, I want to upload product videos that will, like, work in the old thing. It's like, all right, well, we could try it. And they're like, yeah, because we don't want to pay for a new theme. We just want, like, full video and 3D support in the image area. It's like, okay. And it never really worked. Or it kind of worked. <laughs> Yeah, it works, but it's never quite right because the theme wasn't meant for it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and what it would have taken for you to pay us to like fully integrate everything and have it work, like everything working in tandem, it's like you should have just gone with a new one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like well, I'd pretty much have to rewrite it. Joe asks, what happens if I downgrade from Shopify Plus to Advanced? Will I lose feature? Yes. That's what happens. That's what downgrading is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I stop paying my cable bill. Will they shut off my television? Probably. Yes, yeah, you'll you'll lose the features. Uh, and, you know, for me, the two that I'm using the most right now, B2B and checkout extensibility, I like those. I'd be sad to, to lose those going from plus to advanced. Uh, and your transaction rate in Shopify payments goes up if you drop from plus to advanced. So consider that as part of the, the cost there. Uh, but, you know, if, if it's not worth it to you and the features aren't there, then, you know, why why keep paying for it? I understand that. So... Um, you know, not tough to find a, a table or like feature comparison list online or just look at what you are or aren't using. Yeah, I wonder if there's like more more to that question. Yeah, I kind of want to know. It's like, come on, it wasn't that simple. There was something else there. Yeah, it's, it's like you know what you would lose if you downgrade. So is that important to you or not? It might not be. And then uh, Joe had a follow-up. He said, is server-side attribution tracking better than client-side, and is it worth the cost? I have been 
as nerdy as this one is, and this relates to Google Analytics, I would dive it deep on this, and I think the answer is yes. So, but it's Shopify, so what? we don't have access to the server. All right. With Google Analytics, with any of these pixels I'm throwing in, into my theme, whether I'm loading that into the theme, into uh, Google Tag Manager, or with Shopify's customer events, it's just JavaScript that fires in the customer's browser, gathers the data in which, you know, we're like, here's everything we know about them, and then uploads it back to the server. So if they're running an ad blocker, it's not going to go. If they leave the page before it's sent, it's not going to go. There's a whole bunch of scenarios in which it never happens. Server-side tracking, you get more complete data more often because those scenarios go away. It's faster, better, easier on the customer's device because it's no longer having to do that stuff. That's just less for the customer's device to do. So now, all right, more performance, better data, big advantage to server-side. And number three, if you get this thing set up fancy-like, where you can enable a feature called session enrichment, you essentially make these services talk to each other a little bit more, and then you could gain more data. But that is dependent on the implementation. And this is really my, my plug for Elevar, which I love, because <laughs> we're just implementing this. You've been um, on several calls with Elevar this week. Yeah, we've been working on, on getting Elevar's data layer implemented. Um, but Elevar, you plug in, you give it all your stuff, you're like, here's my GA account. Here's my TikTok pixel. Here's my Facebook Cappy pixel. Here's all my stuff into Elevar. It makes all those things talk to each other and work better than before. Like, you know, previously Cappy is like, you can only tell a returning customer after seven days. Well, with Elevar, I could detect that same returning customer for months longer and then report that back into Facebook. And now I could combine that data into Clavio. And now so they get... Um, this extra customer data profiles in Clavio. So now I'm sending more browse abandonment emails. And so by moving all this stuff server side, assuming like I've, you know, if you're just starting out, like don't bother. Don't like just uh, hit the skip button. Don't waste your time with this. But if you're already, you've got all these channels going and they're successful, if you switch to server side tracking, in theory, they all perform a little better. So it's worth a bump, a boost in performance. So if I want to explore the world of server-side tracking on my Shopify store, is my only gateway through Elevar? No, it's the one I like the most. So for me, yeah. I, well, I'm going <laughs> to say, but I'm going to say, I know Elevar is pricey. Like our very large, very rich client that might be using Elevar was reticent about the price. It's based on order volume. Okay. And so for them, it was at this time, it was $750 a month. Which is not that bad when you think about it, yeah. given their given their amount of revenue. I, you know, doing twenty, thirty, forty million dollars. Yeah. that's really but <laughs> drop so, in the bucket. But I'm asking, is there cheaper options? Like, do you know other options that you can also throw out there? Where's the budget? Who's the budget pick? D implementing it directly into Shopify customer events, but you got it. You need a developer. They have to know what they're doing. So again, it's like you're right back to you're hiring someone yeah, to do yeah, it for you. Yeah. And now it's missing all these other features. I tried to do it through Shopify customer events, and I was like, you know what? This is beyond me. I'm not messing with this. Okay. Want to compete with billion-dollar brands and win? Download one-click upsell today and give your small business a big advantage. Zipify one-click upsell is an upsell app for Shopify that can add 10 to 15% more revenue to your store overnight with AI-powered upsells and cross-sells. That's 10 to 15% more top-line revenue that you can use 
to buy more ads, buy more customers, and scale your business even in the most competitive marketplace. One Click Upsell, aka Zipify OCU, was created by the founder of a $175 million Shopify store, and it's trusted by over 13,000 merchants. And with a sky-high average conversion rate of 16%, it's no wonder One Click Upsell has made its users an extra 500 million in additional upsell revenue. It only takes a few minutes to install the app, launch your first upsell, and start generating 10 to 15% more revenue today, as in right now. Go to Zipify.com slash Kurt and start your 30-day free trial. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help at Zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. Oh, I had to do some research today about <laughs> uh, international sales and tax. Are you familiar with... Um, how duties and taxes work? Seinfeld likes to shop at the duty-free shop. That's all I know. Well, I know there's like that. Yeah. That's like, that's kind of like sales tax in uh, the EU. And it's fairly large. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 20% or something nuts. So if I'm shipping, I'm in the U.S. and I'm shipping internationally, I'm sending something overseas. The person who receives it has to if pay I have duty. not, yeah, yeah if I've du- not paid duty, duty tax, yeah, they have to pay duty, and uh, duty. I was thinking it. I was like, oh, duty. And oftentimes, if you're getting into international, you'll get customers who are mad. They're like, wait, is it? You didn't properly warn me that I was going to get on top of what I paid you. Now I got to pay duty. It's because when you set things up a particular way, you end up paying duty as part of the shipping label. And so, like, you pay an inflated price on your shipping label, but now duty is paid for, and now the person could just receive their package. Okay. Now, to set it up in Shopify, you got to put the country of origin on the product, and you have to put an HS code. HS code, it's a six-digit code. It's called Harmonize System, but it describes the product's type so that they know what taxes and duties to apply for tariffs. Oh, so you got to put in like the ISO code for this is what indicates this is wine. Yeah. And like this indicates this is. Yeah. Like there's some six digit code that's like this is wine. <laughs> and then you set the country of origin from France. Yeah. And it's coming from US and it's going to Great Britain. Now that I know all that, I could potentially get my shipping carrier to deal with it with a thing called a DDP label. Duty paid. Diamond Dallas Page? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, if you don't pay the duty, he hits the diamond cutter on you. What? No. <laughs> Delivery duty paid, DDP. And so, like, some international carriers can support this and handle it for you, like uh, APC Logistics. We have one client who uses them who does it. Uh, or I looked at the Shopify app store. There's a DHL app. Is it like DHL the shipper? They have an app, it, I think it was 90 a month, uh, that will handle all of this. And works with any international carrier. You don't actually have to ship at DHL if you don't want to. Huh. Yeah. So if you want to go international and you want this really nice experience for people and you're sick of getting the complaints of like, wait a second, you didn't properly communicate this to me, you can take care of it. There's just, you know, a bunch of setup involved up front. Also, I'm just looking at the wording of this question. How can I clearly communicate duties and taxes to EU customers? Communicating the duty to me feels like, I ain't paying this duty. 
All right. So you need to put a lot of messaging both in the cart, but you can't really in the checkout. You probably got to put on the product page and in the cart to be like, we will not be paying any duties <laughs> or it, something. Yeah, trying to get the messaging, but have it only show to these international customers is it's tough. Rough. It's rough. Maybe use geolocation messaging to do it. You could have it as a note. Like I could edit the the labels of the checkout to try and sneak it into the checkout. I don't but think it's going to show to everybody. We can't do the check. We can't. The checkout thing didn't doesn't work anymore. Ah. That we would do for prop uh, whatever prop sixty five prop sixty five, where you know stores would want a prop sixty five California cancer warning, but they only wanted the people who lived in California to see that. That was well. Even then, you had to have access to check out that liquid. You yeah, you did. Was. But even then, now you can't even because we would just sniff if the state field got changed to California. You can't do that. And you can't do that anymore. It doesn't work. So you need uh, a checkout extensibility app, like uh, Checkout Blocks is a good one. You could, like, that could probably handle something like this. But if I'm going through that much effort. I was going to say, is the best outcome here, you just eat all of it. You just you just throw it into the price. And, like, the the EU tax, the VAT or whatever, you end up adding to the final product price. Like, Shopify handles that. That's sales taxes, I think. I yeah. assume. I don't know. And then the duty... You just roll that up into the shipping cost, and then you just got to hit them. You just got to hit them with a big ass shipping cost yeah, in the just, but in the checkout. And you could get all of this calculated dynamically, assuming you've got the product set up right with the HS code, and you have um, a a DDP carrier that'll support it, so it could calculate it and include it. But then, like for VAT, do I have to submit that? That's the part I don't get. Or is that rolled up into the shipping label as well? No, I thought it was added as, you know, it's like if you pay a hundred bucks for it, if your price is a hundred bucks, people in Oregon are going to pay a different sales price than people in Skokie because of the taxes, the different sales tax amounts. So, but as the retailer, I'm still the one who has to submit to the different states the sales tax I collected. Oh, that's true. Yeah, so that's like a with international. I mean, I just guess that just part of your reports or something. Send a money order to Norway. At the end of every month, what? Yeah, or is that, know. or does it get rolled up in the label? That's the part I don't know. I don't know how they're. Uh, I know VAT's value added tax is not technically a sales tax. It's like different. So Just straight up paying the sales taxes in the U.S. and outside the U.S. already sucks. It is painful. Like definitely, it is. Probably everybody's least favorite part. Of we should just go national. Yeah, we should probably just go national with that, and then have it be redistributed to the states because that's how like local municipalities get revenue. Yeah, that would make life a lot easier as opposed to like, all right, here's the 35 states you have Nexus in. You now have to register with them and pay them. Yeah. That's painful. Yeah, that sucks. And then, oh, well, you missed that one. You didn't do it. And now they could come after you. That's rough. All right, last question. Robert Charles Bond asks, what are proven tactics for bootstrapping a Shopify store? I think they really all fall under one umbrella. If it's bootstrapping, I don't want to pay a lot for it. So we're not doing ads. That means get in front of other people's audiences. I think everything is going to, if you're bootstrapping, get in front of other people's audiences. Do you know how you get in front of someone else's audience? Jump in front of it? You buy an ad. (laughs) (laughs) You got to provide some, you, you have to get into collaborations. It's like get on people's podcasts, find content creators that your audience listens to, see how you could get in front of them. Build those relationships. I think you're you're, you're not going to spend money, but you're going to spend a lot of time. Yeah. Well, you have to somehow give up something of value, whether it's yeah. like freebies or whatever. Like, 
In or, a way of getting in front of people's audiences is buying ads. You give up something of value, money, to get in front of this television show's audience with an ad. So you have to think of that transaction, but with something you do have a lot of, which can be product or your time or information or knowledge, and then offer that up to someone else's audience so you can get access to them. Now, I would assume you'd want to start with like you have at least built a little bit of your own audience so that you have those you know things in place. Like people could follow you on social. They could join your newsletter. They have a story you go to. And then, all right, now I'm going to start trying to get in front of other people's audiences. And hopefully that I will usurp, you know, a, a 5% of those people. And then if you can repeat that process, all right, now we have a, a snowball effect. We have a system here for building our audience without spending money on ads. And then money starts rolling in. Okay, maybe we could supercharge this whole concept with ads and continuing to do. Well, I mean, then you could, but, but yeah, but you could do like the big ROI ads, like abandoned cart ads and, you know, you know, that sort of like lookalike audiences. Like once you've got, can have greased the yeah, move wheels into remarketing. Bit. Yeah. Remarketing. Oh, oh yeah. So we have a, we have a client that has a lot of money, a lot of money, more than one client, more than one client. But this guy is, has a lot of money and their company that makes a lot of money spent a hundred thousand dollars on a TikTok. That was it. They hired a big-time, big-boy ad agency that touches an ocean and paid them a hundred grand for a TikTok ad. And guess what? It doesn't perform well. No, it did not do <laughs> anywhere near as well as UGC or the ads they had made. The difference is the it's not that it's bad. It's the look. It looks like a commercial yeah. product. The whole, it looks like a TV commercial. The whole point of these platforms is... Users are doing stuff and posting posting it themselves. So they could sniff out when crap is just a professionally made ad. Yeah, the moment I see that, next. You're like, nope, that's definitely an ad. Like, get out of here. I could see those working on YouTube, though. Maybe. But yeah, it just, immediately when I heard that story, I was like, why would you do that? Like, wouldn't it be better to just make... 50 dumb TikToks by yourself and spend like, you know, a couple hundred bucks on them. I think, I think UGC is the way to go. Especially on platforms like that. Yeah. If that's the context, like obviously this ad could perform. I mean, once you have an ad like that, that you spend a hundred grand on, you could run that on TV. Yeah, You, can you run could it, get yeah. those Roku ads. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You get the, like this anytime, you know, I'd, like a Tubi ad. Yeah. I do nothing but streaming for our TVs. I don't have, we got rid of cable a long time ago, but you could tell that those streaming ads are like all e-commerce bids yeah. businesses. So yeah, like maybe put that ad on Tubi because you've already spent the money on it. But yeah, putting a fully formed, like professionally shot creative agency ad on TikTok, I'm like, that's not that's not worth the money. No, no, it wasn't. No, that story is great and it gets people's attention because of the amount that that ad costs. Yeah, because everyone's like, what? But. I've heard that story so many times, variations of it. It's like, oh, yeah, the, like the awful looking, the supposedly awful looking one is the one that gets engagement because it's real. Like, what is your, what do your friend's content look like on social media? It doesn't look like a $100,000 TV commercial, does it? Yeah. Well, and how long is a TikTok? How long is this TikTok, do you think? 10 seconds? 15? Did he, so he paid 100 grand for 15 seconds? Like, that's not what that looks like. It's brutal. I'm never giving up the name of the agency who made it. I don't care who asks. No, we're not. 
we're speaking out of school telling this story, but we're, we thought it was illustrative. Yeah. Yeah. The point is like authentic works and part of authenticity is in video is not having that ultra polished look. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to really step on the audio for this. Just make it sound terrible. So authentic. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I can barely hear them. Yeah. We should all go to the bottom of, of the well. Start blowing my nose. <laughs> oh my God. All I've heard all week. Ugh. Oh, another snot on here. I believe that concludes our episode. Thank you. Thank you to our, our listeners, our Facebook group members for their amazing questions. And uh, our next episode, our next episode topic, I don't know. I don't have the schedule in front of me. <laughs> Why did you put that down then? Because I, I thought I was going to add it later and I missed it. Oh, my God. But I'll just leave this whole thing in. Re- see? Because real. it's authentic. We're real. So raw. Hashtag so real. All right. Thank you for listening. The unofficial Shopify podcast is brought to you by Loop. Loop is a returns management platform that makes returns profitable and stress-free for you and your shoppers. Loop offers automated returns, exchanges, and store credit options to lower costs and increase revenue. Do you want to offer at-home pickup or boxless drop-offs? Need to lower return costs or increase repeat purchases? How about all of the above? That's what's possible with Loop. Loop delivers customized returns management solutions for Shopify merchants of all sizes, like Studs, Princess Polly, Code Epoxy, to turn returns into returning customers. Find out why thousands of Shopify merchants choose Loop to manage their returns at loopreturns.com. That's loopreturns.com.